you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. So many babies with tongue ties. Do you wonder why? Do you ever have doubts about the number of procedures being done on newborns? As a midwife and a lactation consultant, I never want a baby to have an unnecessary procedure. I am passionate about sharing the tongue tie experts protocols for the holistic assessment and treatment of the breastfeeding dyad beyond the frenum. Whether you are a lactation consultant, speech language pathologist, body worker, MD, dentist, midwife, or doula, the professional's guide to tongue tie in the breastfeeding infant will increase your knowledge and confidence. You'll learn how to tell if oral restrictions are affecting breastfeeding. You'll understand your role on the tongue tie team and you'll gain a community for continued networking and learning. Students of the course tell me that they love feeling confident to educate and support their patients using the skills that the program gave them. Imagine knowing that you prevented arbitrary or ill-timed phrenotomy or were able to offer complete support before, during, and after necessary procedures. And guess what? It's time for our annual summer sale. The best time to sign up is now because it's half price. Lactation consultants, there are four LSERPs upon completion and all participants get a badge for their website. The link to sign up is in the show notes, but you can go to www.tongtieexperts.net slash professional course to sign up today. Don't miss the half price sale. It won't last long. See you in the group. Again, that's www.tongtieexperts.net slash professional course. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I'm Lisa Palladino, and I am very happy today to have with us a special guest, Lo Nigrash. Lo is a mom of two kids, ages eight and four, and it was her intense struggle to breastfeed her oldest that led her to birth and lactation work. She is now a doula, a childbirth educator, a certified lactation counselor who will be sitting for the IBCLC board exams to be an IBCLC in September. And she's also the host of the Milk Making Minutes, a podcast to reduce breastfeeding anxiety through explorations of real life breastfeeding. Welcome, Lo. I'm so thrilled that you've made time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And is there anything in your bio, like anything that's not in your bio that, you know, that's a lot of technical, like, you know, this is what I do. This is what I am. Um, but is there anything about you that you'd want to add to that that's not in those words? You know, I just think um, we were kind of talking before we hit record that I, I think many of us come to breastfeeding through kind of a bumpy road of realizing how little breastfeeding information there is out there. We just realize what bad information we were given or how little support we had as as parents trying to navigate learning how to feed our babies. 
And it's a little bit infuriating. I, you know, I had, I, I had such difficulty. I was so, um, I was, I, I was so determined to breastfeed and, um, it was so, so hard. Mm. And I, I didn't give up. I breastfed my oldest until he was three and a half, mm. but it was hard the entire time. Okay. I want to, I want to stop you right there and just honor that because I don't think we give enough, um, what's the word? Kudos, uh, appreciation for how hard some moms will work to get this right and to suffer through and to do all the things. And, you know, big, you know, my, my heart goes out to you hearing that how hard it was, because it shouldn't be that hard. And yeah. I, think, I think that that's part of what brings you to this work. It's part of what brings me to the work as well. You know, why is it this hard? It really shouldn't be this hard. And there should be so, you know, lots of shoulds. You know, our world should have more support for women who are trying to do this hard thing. It's difficult even when it's easy, when everything goes smoothly. I know, right? right. Yeah. Right? Just, yeah. Just, yeah. And I also want to say, I always tell people just because it was hard for me for three and a half years and I was determined to do it, I don't expect everybody to make that choice. So when people come to me and they decide, you know, even friends, even if I'm not helping them in a professional capacity and they decide to make a different choice, I, I honor whatever choices people make. I just want them to be well informed about the impacts of their decision. So if they're switching to, to bottle feeding instead mm -hmm. of breastfeeding, I just want them to know what the impacts of those choices are so that they're not blindsided down the road when their milk supply reduces or mm -hmm. when there are other complications down the road. And so I don't want anyone to think that just because I suffered through or the right decision for me was to keep going despite the struggle, that that's what I think the right decision for everybody would be. That That's a beautiful statement. And like, I feel like you were in my office when I was talking to the parents that were here today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> giving that kind of message. And so often, you know, I think that one of the uh, misconceptions about lactation consultants is all we do is help with you know, well, first of all, help with the latch, quote unquote, whatever that means, but that we're just like, you know, all about just breastfeeding. And I spent more of the time that I was with my last family, um, kind of letting them down gracefully and, and, and showing and explaining how this is what we're going to try, but this is what it may look like. And that's okay because you're doing your best and you can only do your best and there's exactly. only so much you can do. When nobody told you to pump when you needed to supplement your baby. Right. And now it's three weeks later and there's no milk. And right. I'm crying inside for them, but I'm trying to save face and be brave and be like, you got this and you can try as hard as you want. But we all know that the chances of her getting a, a full milk supply are like slim to none with, you know, milk never came in and what, you know, whatever. But my point is that we spend just as much, I, I believe in my practice anyway, I spent just as much time teaching how to supplement, teaching how to be okay with the failure of what we thought we wanted it to be and yeah. be okay with making other decisions. You know? And validating whatever emotions come up with exactly. the choices that are, that are being made. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I needed lactation professionals to do that for me for years. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't quit seeing my lactation consultant, but, you know, for, for a couple of years, right, I, I right. saw her for a couple of years as things came up mm -hmm. in those early days. And shouldn't we all have that luxury uh -huh. of having someone that is specially trained in just breastfeeding? Yes. I remember it was, I must have, my baby, my first child must have been two months old. And I was asking my lactation consultant, how do you become a lactation consultant? Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to do it. It's taken me almost nine years to do it um, because it's not an e it's not easy. You can't, most people can't just go get a degree, but right. I was sitting there and, and the support, the emotional, the actual, you know, science of lactation. She helped me understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, you know, helping me try different positions that I hadn't thought of, figuring out 
pumping while at work, all of those things, those were really critical, but also just the emotional support and the validation connecting me with other professionals that I needed to get connected with, Mm -hmm. um, to help improve my situation. All of that was important. And I knew sitting there that I wanted to pursue that. Um, and it took me a long time to finally make it this far. Um, but yeah, I, I need, I would not have, um, I would not have continued and met my goals had it not been for her support. And she was somebody who said, Hey, you might need to take a break and you might need to supplement. You know, I did supplement with my first, um, at times when I needed to take a break, but I knew how to supplement in a way that protected my supply because I had a professional telling me how to, you know, helping me figure out how to do it. And, And there's something special about, the lactation, when the lactation person tells you that supplement is necessary or a good idea that will help you and your baby at in some fashion for you to do this, this, and this, then I think the, um, a little of the stigma is, is off because it's, you know, I think parents are hearing like, oh, you shouldn't supplement. You shouldn't supplement if you don't have to, but having a lactation professional who understands the whole picture, tell right. you, okay, and this is why you need to, helps validate their feelings. I've I've had that experience in my office where people are like, well, okay, I thought I had to do this, but I thought that, I, you know, it was feeling like I had to do something different, but I was pushing through because I thought I was supposed to, you know? Yeah, well, you, you see how flippantly other people suggest supplementation. Right. And so right. you don't want to trust it because right. you know that they don't understand how to protect your milk supply. Mm -hmm. Um, The best of us do, at least. I knew enough to know I needed to protect my milk supply. Mm -hmm. So many other people, they don't know that you have to protect your milk supply. So let's talk about, we keep throwing that term around and we know what it means, but for those Mm -hmm. who are listening who don't know what that term means, protect your milk supply, Mm -hmm. um, what that means is if your body isn't getting the message to make milk, it's not going to make milk. So if your baby needs, say, two bottles a day of supplement, then in general, you would have to pump twice a day so that your breasts get the message to continue making milk for the baby. Because otherwise, it's a slippery slope. If you don't protect your milk supply, the supply, your breasts will start making less and less milk every day as you stop asking for it. So that's that's my little way of... Um, talking about protecting the milk supply, right? Yeah. And if you're not working with somebody who can help you figure out a good plan, you could get stuck in this vicious cycle of what they call triple feeding, where you're, you know, you're feeding the baby, you're pumping, you're feeding the baby, you're pumped milk. Mm -hmm. And that's not sustainable long-term. So if you end up doing that for months on end, you're exhausting yourself out. And if Mm -hmm. you're not doing that with the help of a lactation professional, where you have a plan to wean off of that Mm -hmm. schedule, of course, you're going to burn out. Right. I just, yeah, I'm a big, um, I'm always canceling people's triple feeding plans. Like I I had somebody that was triple feeding for three weeks. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You can't do this. And where's it getting you? She's making an ounce a day. Like you're, you're spending all of this time and energy. Let's work on your milk supply without the baby a little bit and see what happens. You know, let's just feed the baby, whatever. I going down a tangent, but what I do want to talk about is your own journey, because I know that so many of our listeners are either new parents who are wondering what's going on with their breastfeeding or parents who've been through it and feel like they don't know anybody else who's been through this and feel alone. So I want people to understand the different types of experiences that can happen with breastfeeding when there is, when there is a tongue tie or a lip tie or, you know, Mm -hmm. tethered oral tissues as we call them. So do you want to tell me about what it was like for that first, you you had a son first? Yes. I had a son first. Yeah. And, and I will say, and I don't know if we'll get into both experiences or just one, but I want to say I was terrified when I had my second because I did not, I did not know if I could go through it again. Mm-hmm. And it was so much easier with my second. So if somebody's listening who had a horrible first experience, 
you just don't know. You right. know, you can have the same experience twice, but it doesn't have to be the same experience. Right. right. So and it was flipped. It was. Your I first was easy. Was easy yeah. yeah. Right. You, you know, just so never, you never know. know. And then my third came along and I finally got it right. I think I mean, when I look back, I'm like, "Hmm, I could have done things a little different, (laughs) better, but I did my best, but 14 months. So, yeah, you know, it was success. So tell me about your, your first, you, you have the baby. Yeah. I had an in-hospital birth. Um, I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I do think that birth has an outcome and breastfeeding has an impact on breastfeeding outcomes. I was diagnosed, uh, I was, sorry, I had to be induced much to my dismay. I fought it, but it was hospital policy because of my gestational diabetes. Um, So it was a three day long induction, Mm. horrible um, vaginal delivery, immediate skin to skin, um, but breastfeeding hurt from the very first latch. Mm-hmm. It never felt great. Okay. Um, and uh, we, um, you know, we went to, uh, luckily my pediatrician that I had chosen, she was not an IBCLC, but had taken lactation trainings. I think she did have her CLC mm-hmm. and was continuing in lactation training. Mm-hmm. So she was not totally clueless. Right. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. So, you know what? I just want to back up a bit because mm-hmm. you, I don't know if this is your experience, but when I speak to parents, even when there are oral restrictions, sometimes the first feeding is fine. Yeah. Right. And isn't that cool? Like, so sometimes the baby can do well that first feeding mm-hmm. and then things start going downhill from there. So I just, and usually when I hear that things were bad from the first, uh, that's a real red flag for me. Well, what's interesting is he was always fine. Weight gain was fine. He was able to do the breast crawl immediately. Mm-hmm. So all that was beautiful, you know, breast crawl found the breast latch, but I was like, you know, I had that toe curling, like, "Ah, is this what it's supposed to be like? And of course, when you're first breastfeeding, you just, you don't know, you, you know, you, you get these mixed messages of it might hurt in the beginning, Mm -hmm. or there might be some pain, there might be some discomfort. And it's really hard. I think we're not taught very well, the difference between discomfort and pain or like getting used to discomfort and pain. Right. And so it did not feel good. Um, and in fact, I had, I had a friend who had had a baby just two weeks before me and she was breastfeeding and, you know, from the beginning, she was like, it's amazing. It's awesome. I love it. And I was like, this is not amazing. So I don't know if you know, Lo, but I wrote a book and it's called, it shouldn't hurt to nurse your baby. Mm, I did not know that. And there's so much controversy about breastfeeding pain that when I first advertised it, I got like hate mail. Oh God. Because people want to say that if, if they think that that's going to discourage people from continuing, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I can't even explain the arguments that were sent to me, but I was like, it should never hurt. Like maybe it feels uncomfortable in the very beginning. It feels a little awkward. You are a little sore because it's something you're not used to, especially if you have lighter skin, you could be sore because you're skin is a little bit sensitive if you've never been exposed to the sun or whatever. But I got like, oh I was being gosh. ridiculous, but I, I stand by that statement. It should not hurt to nurse your baby. And, and it's a little book and it's, you know, let, let me sneak in an ad here there. It's available on Amazon. The link is always in the show notes. It's a great baby shower book. It's a, oh, great, yeah. you know, it's a great gift for people who have offices and they want to give to their, their patients, you know, yeah. It, it's six solutions for like nipple, the six most common causes of nipple pain and what you can do at home and when to reach out for help. It's very oh, easy. It's not cheap. It's not expensive. You know, it's yeah. just, I just had all this information that I was telling people all the time. Like, let me throw it in a book and call it. It shouldn't hurt. And wow. Did right. I so oh, it shouldn't man. hurt. Oh, so yeah. here you are, you've got your, your friend and she's like smiling and 
you know, seeing rainbows and unicorns and you're like at a horror movie. <laughs> right. Right. And I had a doula who was trying to help me. I had right. a midwife who I adored, who was trying to help me. And I just knew this hurts. Mm-hmm. This hurts really bad. And, you know, crying, like my nipples were damaged almost from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, um, we go into the pediatrician at, you know, that first checkup that's, I don't know, day three, day four, that first checkup they do. And she said, there's a, there's a tongue tie. Um, and I, so my son had multiple revisions. Mm-hmm. The first one was with scissors. Mm-hmm. And I cannot remember if it was right there in the pediatrician's office. Mm-hmm. Or if she referred me to like the children's hospital and they did it with scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, the first one we, was with scissors. And did you have any relief after that? No, none. Not, not even a bit. Not even a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to explain, and you probably know this by now, but uh, because you have more experience. But for those who don't know it, I often see that scissor release release the anterior tie or the, the tie, the frenum that's in the be- front of the mouth, mm-hmm. which if it was caught by a pediatrician, it must've been an obvious tie. Mm-hmm. So there they are releasing that front and not dealing with what's in the back of it or the posterior aspect of it, which often causes more problems, more pain, more discomfort than, mm-hmm. than the Posterior. So I don't know if that's exactly what happened for you, but I'm imagining that that's probably. Yeah, that probably is what happened. Just got the the anterior mm-hmm. um, tie, and I wish I had done a better job of documenting and taking photos and writing down everything that had happened. Um, but I didn't know that it was going to be such a long journey. You know, you. Right. you How could you? Right. Right. And, and the thing that happens is each time you go in for a revision, which most people don't have for revisions, but each time you go in, you think this is going to solve my problem. Right. This is finally going to be it. And I think some people would think, oh my goodness, why would you torture your baby that much? But I had a goal to breastfeed for as long as my baby and me were both happy breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the years long goal. I also knew I had done, I I had consulted with my lactation consultant in Hartford, Connecticut, and I knew the long-term complications of tongue ties. So I knew it wasn't just about breastfeeding my baby Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, And so if I was in as much pain as I was in, I knew that with, you know, because we were seeing a lactation consultant at this point, Mm -hmm. like multiple times a week. And everybody who saw the latch was saying latch looks great. Oh, I hate that term. Right. <laughs> <laughs> latch looks great. Then why does it hurt? Right. But, but my lactation consultant was not just saying the latch looks great. I don't know. She was saying latch looks great. This is an indication of something else going on. Right. Right. You know, right. so, um, so then I got referred to a pediatric dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all the while, weight gain is fantastic mm-hmm. with baby. So weight gain is fine. Peas and poop are fine. Milk transfer is great. So it never did impact um, milk transfer. Right. That's amazing. But I will say that even though it didn't seem to impact milk transfer, it's important for everyone to realize that this is not just about pain or pain at the latch and for breastfeeding is not just about mom's comfort because it's a sign that something is off somewhere. So if he's causing you pain, even if he's getting enough milk, something isn't right with him that's causing the pain. It's not you. It's not just for you. Moms aren't selfish, which I've heard Mm. to do something to their baby because Mm -hmm. they're in pain, because as you said, there are repercussions beyond breastfeeding, but I do feel that the breastfeeding is suffering at some level. It's not an efficient latch. Even if he was able, you must've had a great milk supply. 
you had all the guidance and all the things that you could do around it to support you to make sure he stayed on the curve and all those things were right. But typically this isn't just about pain and it's the pain is a sign that something is wrong deeper. Right. Did you learn about this in school? I know I didn't. Do you want more confidence with breastfeeding infants? So many of the students of the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie are speech language pathologists who are looking to gain more knowledge of breastfeeding. Most other courses don't allow SLPs and LCs to learn together. It's different here. You can learn my successful protocols. I've been doing this work for over 10 years and I share it all in the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant www.tongtieexperts.net slash professional course. Don't miss our half price summer sale. The link with all of the info is in the show notes, but you can just go to www.tongtieexperts.net slash professional course. Can't wait to see you in the group. And it was so painful that my nipples would get so um, raw and beaten up that I would have to take breaks. Right. right. And so then we would have to suspend breastfeeding. I would have Mm -hmm. to pump. We would have to feed the pumped milk. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of work. A lot of work. It was a lot of work. It was not sustainable. So I, I kept looking for the next answer. So then... Um, I think he must have been a couple of months old, maybe eight weeks old. And I went to the pediatric dentist and they did both tongue and lip revision. Mm-hmm. Um, and this pediatric dentist was super knowledgeable. He showed me all sorts of images of breastfeeding, you know, in the mouth and what it looked like before and after. He spent a long time with me. I've been to, my daughter, she also had um, tongue and lip revisions, and I was I went to another dentist for that because we had moved, and it was that was maybe like a twenty minute visit. And with mm-hmm. this pediatric d- dentist, it was one consult where he talked about it. We went over it. He showed me all the images, and that was maybe an hour long visit. And then wow. we went and he did the revision. So it, mm-hmm. I felt like you know he was really knowledgeable about breastfeeding. He talked a lot about statistics of breastfeeding and tongue ties. I mean, I felt like he was really passionate about it. Um, you can use his name. Do you remember his name? Um, Where was he? What, Bristol, what? Connecticut, I think. Okay. But I actually don't remember his name. Okay. I'll have to find it. Yeah. I'm just curious. Cause we yeah. want to, we want to let the people know who the good guys are. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. The second, person was pretty knowledgeable too uh he seemed to be an advocate but it just uh-huh. it just didn't it just just didn't seem right adequate. and plus earlier on i think uh the dentist needed to do more education mm-hmm. because there was less known about it right right yeah. so whereas today by the time you get to the pediatric dentist in general, you have more information. You've already been educated. Hopefully you've seen a lactation consultant. You know all the things, right? Right. So, um, yeah, that might've been why. So how did yeah. that, how did that go? Was, was there improvement after that release? You know, I really, there wasn't, there wasn't. There wasn't. Wow. We also went to the chiropractor mm-hmm. and we did quite a few visits there. We did craniosacral therapy, did quite a few visits there. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we spent a lot of money trying to resolve mm-hmm. Yes. And it did get to the point where I wasn't having like bloody raw nipples. So I guess we, I should say that it did improve somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it, you know, I always was in a lot of pain. I'll say he was also a baby. So I just had a conversation with somebody else who had um, a baby that was like a, he was a baby that was always, um, wanted to feed all the time around the clock. Mm -hmm. So he was one of those babies who wanted to nurse all night long, Mm -hmm. would not leave the breast. 
So maybe that did have to do with milk supply. Like I was saying, you know, maybe if I was one of those people who wanted to put them on a schedule and was trying to, you right. know, get then the you would have had a problem further yeah. apart, then I would have had a problem, but I was <laughs> yeah. willing to allow him to feed all night long. Yeah. And so I didn't, I, I, I was, he was feeding on the 24 hour clock. So I right. didn't. So that's why he gained weight because you were, right. you were, you were working extra hard. Right. I, exactly. I talk about that, like, um, like going to a party and they just serve you hors d'oeuvres or appetizers and they never right. give you a meal, right? right? You eat and eat and eat and eat and you never really feel full. Right. But you've eaten enough, but you never really feel full. So you always want to keep eating. At least that's right. for me, you know? <laughs> and I was, so the thing that I was talking to a friend today, I would love to see studies about this. I haven't seen any yet, but um, he, now it turns out he has sensory, um, like sensory processing mm-hmm. um, disorder. And so mm-hmm. I think that there is probably a correlation between, yes, I would, I would think so too. between kids who have oral ties and are fussier, you know, he wasn't, he was a happy kid. He was, he, as long as he was breastfeeding and mm-hmm. at the breast in the night, but right. to this day, he still struggles to settle at night. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of his sensory. Right. So he, so what you're saying, I think is he was already showing symptoms of his sensory processing. Yeah. And that made breastfeeding difficult along with the tie. Right. But right? as a new mom, you're being yeah. told your baby should sleep for this mm. amount of time. And, you know, everybody, the pediatrician's asking about Ugh. sleep. And I just wish that that new moms were told a little bit more. If you can just tune into your baby's personality. Right. And know what your baby needs and be confident in what your baby needs. I would have been a lot less stressed out. Uh, I love that statement. So we should, we should shout that from the rooftops and it's individual, right? And I just had this conversation with my daughter yesterday. My grandson is six months old today Mm. as we're recording this. And she's having, I mean, she's had her bumps and struggles. He had tongue ties, some torticollis, whatever, but she is having the least stressful motherhood I've ever witnessed. And the reason, and I'm so happy for her. Yeah. I think the reason for that is besides the the privilege of she's basically home with him when she works, it's a couple of hours and she uses my office. So I'm here and whatever, but she has never struggled against his routine. She has never struggled against his needs to fit him into any boxes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I really think that that's exactly what you just said. If we just listen to our babies, follow their needs, forget about the shoulds. Right. Her, if you were trying to make your baby nap two hours a day, you, you know, in the morning, cause you think that that's what they're supposed to have. Then for two hours every day, you'd be stressing. Yeah. Right. When he's tired. Right. No. Yeah. Right. Like, and there's no expectation or no trying to put him, you know, put him in a container for a certain amount of time or whatever. He's just is, and he's doing amazing and he's developing amazingly. And it's a privilege to watch that. Um, But I think that that's a message that we, especially in the age of Instagram and, and social media and everybody thinking that there's one right way to do anything. And there's only one right way to, to do this child between you and this particular child. Yeah. I look back on those baby days with him and I compare it to how he is now as an eight, almost nine year old. And I think, ah, you know, that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that he was like that, that he needed mm-hmm. me close. Cause he still needs me close. Mm-hmm. And I have another child to compare him to. Mm-hmm. We parent her the exact same way. And she's just a little bit more of a free spirit. She's less anxious. She's a little more sure of herself. Um, and you know, we have done the same things when it comes to breastfeeding and sleep. Right. Um, and we've tuned into her needs in the same way. But I, I do think these oral ties and him having some sensory processing needs were apparent when he was a baby 
but I did not know that that's what it was. Right. Right. And it made me really anxious. And then I went back to work when he was 14 weeks old. I worked um, for a national nonprofit that um, coached school leadership teams. And I worked about 50 hours a week. Wow. And um, I did not know about paste bottle feeding. Mm -hmm. And I just could not keep up. I just have not been. I never have been someone who produced enough with the pump. Mm -hmm. Compared to what my babies needed. I'm just not, I, and what I know now about phalange sizing, (laughs) I think maybe I was probably in wrong phalange sizes, first of all. Right. Um, But secondly, I don't think he was being paste bottle fed. Uh huh. So he was being fed faster than he should have. So he took more. Probably. I don't know what that is. Probably. Yeah. Um, and he, so then we ended up needing to supplement with formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we tried all the things we would give him formula at night too, thinking maybe he'll sleep longer. Right. Because people tell you that. Right. And um, it didn't help. <laughs> he slept the so, same. So was there, was there anything that you felt made things easier for you along the road or it just was something you just, you know, soldier through till, till it wasn't, you know, the things that made things easier, that made things easier, um, sidelining, sidelining position made things easier. And that, that talks to his sensory input too, Mm -hmm. right? Cause that's a whole different positioning, Mm -hmm. different sensory inputs in sidelining than sitting. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, I often noticed if I nursed sideline that I would feel less pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing, just knowing, I didn't know about laid back nursing at the time. Mm-hmm. I think if I had done more laid back nursing, that would have probably been, mm-hmm. um, really effective for reducing my pain. Maybe he might not have been able to tolerate that though. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. I know a lot, a lot of people um, recommend that as the only way to nurse. And I've had a lot of babies who can't because Mm. of their neck strength or their torticollis or Mm. just from different states that they're in, aren't able to handle laid back nursing and the shape of the mom to plays a factor in it. So I love laid back nursing, but it's, it's not the be all and end. No, of course not. Nothing is right. Yeah. So now he also nursed well in the carrier. Uh huh. Um, I did a lot of nursing in the carrier Mm. and just for me being out and about and being able to nurse, it kind of took my mind off of, Right. Uh, you know, this toe curling pain. Right. Um, so, so what would you, what would be your advice to parents who are going through that type of situation now? What would be like, how would you? Well, I would say, first of all, don't do it alone. Don't mm-hmm. do it alone. Um, and um, yeah, seek out professionals, seek out professionals who know about tongue tie. So who really know about tongue tie, who aren't, you know, and, and if you're not getting answers that are satisfying, find somebody else. We do that all the time with all sorts of, um, in, in all sorts of fields. Right. So if you're not, if you feel like you've had a few visits and you're not, jiving with the person that you're meeting with, then find somebody else. And there are so many ways to meet with people now because you, there's zoom, right. <laughs> you can have right. telehealth conferences. Yeah. Now, so. yeah. And, and I know after the initial exam, so much of the conversations and the, the teasing out can be done on a zoom call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. So the points that you make about, people who know about tongue tie and how do we find people that, how do we know that people know about tongue tie is a question that I get all the time. You know, I run a group on Facebook called breastfeeding tongue tie babies and everyone's who's listening is welcome to come on in. It's for 
professionals, it's for parents, it's a public group, but it's well moderated. It's not like the huge, you know, tongue-tied groups that are out there. I, it's myself and one other moderator. We don't let anyone post without being approved. We, there's a questions to get in because I want to protect parents and professionals who are in there giving help and advice to others, um, mostly education going on in there. But um, I often get this question, and and one of the things that I'm trying to do, and and if anybody who's listening and they want to be a part of it, is a sort of a resource list. And I have like a form that every once in a while I'll post it for for professionals to put in their information so that I'm gathering who knows about this, what kind of training they've had. And it's not, it's IBCLCs, dentists, body workers, um, anyone who's, who's working on the tongue tie team, as I like to call it. And I especially love it when it's someone who's come through my course, because I have the course, the professional's guide to tongue tie, which again, another shameless plug uh, is going to be a big summer sale coming up. And now there's four LSERPs with the course. Oh, great. great. And everyone is welcome because I feel that all professionals need to understand about tongue tie pediatricians, nurses in the hospital, nurses in doctor's offices, anyone, childbirth educators, everyone should understand, doulas especially, Mm -hmm. because who's the first person you mentioned? You had a doula helping you with breastfeeding, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think that perhaps the doula should be guiding you through the release, but the doula should be able to recognize the symptoms Absolutely. Know who to refer you to, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really important for us to learn together. Um, there are some tongue tie courses that only IBCLCs are allowed in, and not everyone's going to ever see an IBCLC. Right. You know, yeah. um, and like take your example, you're a CLC with tons of knowledge and experience, right? You can help. You shouldn't have to wait to help people until you have the initials. Now, I'm not trying to put IBCLC out of business. It's my profession. I oh, of course, earn that, and you know. But we all we have to. I feel like there's a point we we all have to take a step back and say, everyone has to understand the signs and symptoms of tongue tie, how to assess for it, and then what, and then depending on your role, what role you play in the actual treatment. Exactly. Right. So I I digressed on that, but um, I think that what you said is don't do this alone and bringing it back to that. There is help out there. Yeah. Is help in all forms. Yeah. No reason. You know, as you said, I mean, if we have health problems, we go to every doctor we can until we find the answer. And we tend to go to doctors for the answers for everything when there are specialized professionals who are waiting to help you mm-hmm. and their phones aren't ringing all the time. Right. Yeah. It- and I know for me, something I had to do was I had to stop talking about my breastfeeding problems with mm-hmm. people who didn't get it. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, because I was, I was being invalidated a lot and mm-hmm. it wasn't intentional, mm-hmm. but um. I had people who just didn't understand why I was fighting so hard and trying so hard. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, why am I even talking to these people about this? Mm -hmm. Why am I answering their questions about how breastfeeding is going? Are they really Mm -hmm. checking in on me or are they trying to push me in a direction that uh, you know, I know where I stand on this. Right. I know what I need to do. Trying to make themselves more comfortable. Right. And so I finally had to tell a couple of people, we're not talking about breastfeeding anymore. Mm -hmm. This is between me and my baby and (laughs) I'm making the decisions that are right for me. Please don't bring it up. Right. Um, and it was kind of hard people who were well meaning, I think, but every time I would leave the conversations feeling attacked. Um, and so I did, I, I told a couple of people, please do not bring this up. And I had to ask my husband to tell a couple of people who were right. close to him, please don't bring this up. It is not, right. uh, it is not open for discussion. Right. And so it's hard enough. And then you have to defend yourself. Right. Of this yeah. And that's not about you, as you know, that's about them not right. being comfortable with their own decisions or being able to 
have the fortitude to do what they want to do in their life and, right. and what's yeah. important to them. And they're trying to sway you to make it, you know, well, if you're not going to be, if I can't do what I want to do, why would you work so hard to do what you want to do? You know, anyway. So, so second time around was easier. And now that I've heard your story, I can only imagine what you were anticipating <laughs> when your daughter was born. And I, I kind of so had that between two and three. And I had a disaster for my second mm-hmm. and then my third was going to be born. And I was like, I literally had a home birth because the hospital that I worked at prevented me from breastfeeding my second with the way things went. I oh my goodness. But I wanted to breastfeed. I was going to breastfeed no matter what mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to pretend that there is nothing else to feed her with. And there is no other way to feed her. And I'm going to figure this out. And I was, I was an RN. I, ha- I had no lactation education at the time, except mm-hmm. for that nursing school stuff. This is, she just turned 20 in March. Uh-huh. So about 21 years ago, I had a home birth. She's born with a cleft lip. Oh. Right. But she nursed before. Well, right. Yeah. So it went okay. But imagine if I was in the hospital, they would have taken her away they would have won. And 21 years ago, things were a little bit even crazier than they are now with running all kinds of tests to make sure there were no syndromes or whatever. We just nursed and it just worked. I never even had pain with her. Wow. It was bizarre. It was like, yeah. it, it was, it was so amazing. And she has a posterior tongue tie that nobody ever even looked under her tongue, not even the cleft team. Wow. It wasn't a thing, but whatever. She didn't have a lip tie because she had no, her lip was up. It was plenty. I had no pain, which, you know what, when you were telling your story about your son, that's one of the things that I was thinking about. The lip is key to some babies, some babies. It's not about the tongue at all. Mm -hmm. And when we ignore the lip, the pain is still there. Mm. So that's one of the things. So anyway, I keep, yeah. I love chatting with you, though. This is great. So I just keep going off on. No, I love like hearing that. Yeah. As old friends, I hope our listeners are enjoying the conversation as much as I am. But getting back to your daughter. So you're anticipating pain and it was better. Yeah. So I, um, I did a similar thing. I actually had a home birth with my second because mm-hmm. I just wanted to eliminate anything that would get in the way mm-hmm. of setting us up for just a cozy first breastfeeding experience. And, you know, just the, the, the interventions I had, the unnecessary interventions I had during my birth experience, I just did not want those. So I had three midwives in attendance, um, one of which was a CLC, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, these home birth midwives, they're very experienced in helping breastfeeding. And, um, so everything went much better. First latch felt much better. I will say there was a complication with her because a few days after she was born, the newborn screening tagged her for galactosemia. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, which is a rare genetic disorder. I know you know what it is, but mm-hmm. galactosemia is a rare ge- genetic disorder, which means the infant cannot digest any lactose, even mm-hmm. that uh, formed in the, you know, even that of the mother's milk. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, it can be, de- it, it, if the mother inject, if the baby ingests lactose, it's deadly. Mm-hmm. And it also, there are also other um, complications that come with galactosemia, but that is the primary one for the mm-hmm. infant. But as they grow older, there are other complications. Right. So this was tagged in the newborn screening And the thing that was the most devastating about this was we had to do further testing to see if if she had galactosemia. Right. Because that's just a screening test to say she might have it. It's just a screening. So I had been breastfeeding her for three days. She seemed fine. You know, she was alert, Mm -hmm. happy baby, peas and poops seemed normal. So the person that I was referred to um, was a man which doesn't always indicate something, but he'd obviously never (laughs) breastfed a baby. And he said he could get me in in six weeks. Oh no. No no breastfeeding. Oh no. 
And I was like, I have to stop breastfeeding my baby for six weeks. And his response was, do you want your baby to die? <gasps> Can we stop saying this? Oh, my goodness. Terrible. Talk Nobody wants their baby to die. Right. Let's just stop saying this. Wow. Let's stop fear mongering and let's right. stop pressuring people to do what you want them to do by asking this question. Right. Of course I don't. But what I hated about his question, not only is it a dumb question, was he was not recognizing that breastfeeding is more than feeding a baby. Right. Right. Breastfeeding was how I comforted my baby. Right. Breastfeeding was how I was bonding with my baby. Breastfeeding was how I helped my baby sleep at night. So then to suspend that for six weeks and try to maintain my milk supply for that six weeks until he could get me in for an appointment to get my baby tested was not a small thing. That was a humongous thing. He was I'd asking say it was an unacceptable new, thing. It was an unacceptable thing that he was asking a brand new postpartum Mm-hmm. mother to do. And so I called another hospital. I called Ch- children's hospital in Boston and it was a Friday. And she said, um, I can't get you in today, but I can get you in on Monday. Oh, thanks, spend breastfeeding until Monday. Mm-hmm. I just want to get my eyes on your baby and do a blood test. And then we can talk. Mm-hmm. So I did have to move to soy formula for mm-hmm. the weekend. I had to pump around the clock. Um, and, you know, for that three days, mm-hmm. and then we went in to Children's Hospital in Boston. She saw her. They did a blood test. It turned out she was a carrier of galactosemia, okay. but did not have galactosemia. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I was able to right there in the office, she right. said, go ahead and breastfeed. Right. Right. And he had said he wanted to do the full panel of testing. It wasn't just the blood test he wanted to do. Right. Right. He wanted to do the full panel of testing, which would take six weeks. I do. I have witnessed a baby with true galactosemia who got very sick very fast. Yeah. If if they're reacting, they're reacting. Of course. It's not not a question. And I was totally fine with suspending breastfeeding for the weekend until she could get into the hospital because I knew how serious it was after hearing from my doctor about what it was and looking it up and calling my midwives, but for him to be so flippant. Right. um, So, so again, the trauma that that put on you, the, the anxiety and there are situations like that. And I'm sure these are the types of things I'm just assuming that you speak about in your podcast, that anxiety that is put on new parents. And if you don't feel confident or you're on the fence or you don't feel good, or you're half awake because you're not sleeping or whatever, and you're given these, well, stupid statements like, well, do you want your baby to die or any other subtle things that are like, well, you're making a choice because you just want to breastfeed. Like, like as if it's something that, you know, like going to the candy store, you know, right. (laughs) Oh, I just want that. No, it's not like that. It's you're doing the best thing for your baby. When is that going to be recognized by everyone in the medical community? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. And on my podcast, we explore all sorts of situations, people who end up fully formula feeding. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a guest who had um, breast reduction surgery mm-hmm. and ended up, she, she really wanted to breastfeed, really did, and ended up fully formula feeding both of her children. I've, you know, I've had um, a guest who had was on a schedule and ended up, And that was what was best for her mental health was to be on Mm -hmm. a schedule. And she ended up fully formula feeding by about five months. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it's not that we explore just the perfect rainbow sunshine breastfeeding stories, but what's important for me, what, what I think reduces breastfeeding anxiety is to be fully informed. Mm -hmm. And this doctor who I called when I had galactose, when, when she was triggered for galactosemia, if, if I had not been informed about breastfeeding and I did not know the impacts of suspending breastfeeding for six weeks right, and j- had just said, okay, right. I'll right. do that. Mm-hmm. That would have, ha- that would have impacted, that could have impacted 
the, I, I breastfed her for four and a half years. Right. We just stopped like right. a month ago. So imagine the anxiety that that would have made for you exactly. over six weeks, right? Like I exactly. can't even, I, I can't even let her latch because God forbid she got a drop or wow. Yeah. yeah. And the sleep deprivation, because right. I sleep better when I'm able to side lie with my baby in the bed, you right. know, and right. if you're formula feeding, it's not as, it's not as safe, you know, right. and right. it would have changed my whole family dynamic for that six Mm -hmm. weeks and possibly Mm -hmm. impacted breastfeeding for the rest of the time with my child. Right. I I would probably not have breastfed her for four and a half years. Right. Of course. And that's okay. Sometimes that happens, but I don't think it's a true choice if you're not fully informed. Right. About the choice. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I get asked a question almost every time I have somebody in my office with a baby with a tongue tie. Um, So we should get this taken care of. And I say, my job is not to tell you what you should do. My job is to teach you, give you all the information that I know, and then let you make the choice for you and your baby and your family, you know, and even in treatment plans that are, that are more about, well, how much at the breastfeeding are we going to do? How hard are we going to work to build up the supply? That's always an interplay. That's not about what I want. It's not, it's, and I can't make a decision. And all I can do is give all the information, support the person in the situation, answer all their questions, and then let them make the decision. I even say, sometimes like the things that I say are like, I know that we're maybe not on the same page. And I have to say to a family, listen, I'm going to support you no matter what your decision is. So if I think you should probably have a tongue tie release and you don't think it's something you that feels right for you, you can still come back and I can still help you with other things. Right. So yeah. I mean, like, so I, there are no absolutes and it's all about the education for, for me and the being informed. So I, you know, we're so on the same page about that. I love that. Um, yeah, I always yeah. just tell people, look, it's up to you. I just want you to know if you do A, these are the possibilities of what will happen. Mm-hmm. If you do B, these are the possibilities of what could happen. So I just don't want anybody to be blindsided by any choice that they make. So if right. they know, okay, you know, it feels better for me. My anxiety is going to be so high if I'm not on a schedule. So I would like to schedule my feeds. Okay, you know that you're going to take you're going to prioritize your mental health by being on a schedule. And you know, then that the impact is going to be, you might see a reduction in your, in your supply right, right. and you might end up supplementing your feeds. Right. Are you okay, okay. with that? Impact? Right. So, so, yes. I'm okay with that impact because yeah. for me, it's better to be able to schedule out my feeds. Yeah. Great. Okay, right. How many parents do we have that say, I wouldn't have done that if somebody would have told me that. Right. Blah, blah, was going to happen. Right. And it's, it's just a matter of doing it with a non-judgmental tone. Yep. It's totally your choice. I just want you to know this might happen. Right. You know, right. Are you aware that this might right. happen? Right. Right. Yeah. So, Lo, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful that you joined us today. And I was just wondering if there's anything that you would like to add. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you were you want to express to my audience um, before we sign off? Yeah, I just did want to mention that I said I was in severe pain the whole time with my first, it did, you know, I, you know, in the beginning when they're nursing just constantly around the clock, it was, I, I was in severe pain, but as he started to eat more solids and got food from other places, and you're not, they're not as reliant on you. Mm-hmm. It, it did, it was better. And when okay. I went to work and I was pumping and not breastfeeding around the clock, it was better. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want anybody to think that I just suffered all the time forever. Right. And when I needed to take breaks, I took breaks. Right. right. Um, and then, uh, you know, a little bit when a little before he turned three, I started to realize, oh, wow, this doesn't hurt. Like, it feels good. And then I got pregnant and it started to hurt. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) So that's a great place to end our conversation. 
Um, but I'm looking forward to being on your podcast. And I want our listeners to know that in the show notes, we'll have all of Lowe's links as well as my own. You know, I spoke about the sale and that all the links will be um, in the show notes today. Or you can just go to tongtieexperts.net for the um, slash links and all the links are there to everything that I talk about on my end of things. All right. Thank you so much, Lo. We'll chat again soon. Thank you so much. This is All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.